As Martin Luther King Day approaches, I wanted to share what has become my least favorite quotation from his many brilliant and moving sermons and speeches. It comes from the very famous, I have a dream speech. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now let me be clear, it is not my least favorite quotation because of what King says here. It has become my least favorite quotation because of how it is being used. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy tweeted, Critical race theory goes against everything Martin Luther King Jr. taught us. Don't judge us by the color of our skin. Now they're embracing it. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, in proposing what he calls the Stop Woke Act, banning critical race theory, said, you think about what MLK stood for. He said he didn't want people judged on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. You listen to some of these people nowadays, they don't talk about that. Critical race theory is basically teaching kids to hate our country and to hate each other based on race. It puts race as the most important thing. I want content of character to be the most important thing. Now, neither of these people are talking about critical race theory, of course. They're using this King quotation to ban the teaching of history as it relates to enslavement, oppression, discrimination, and racism, to deny the evidence of racial injustice in this country today, and to avoid the challenge of reflection, confession, and reparations that a true racial reckoning would call for. Teaching, bearing witness to, or seeking to address racism, these people say, is to divide the country by race, and thus to work against this towering figure in the struggle for civil rights who said we should all be judged, not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. (laughs) Where do I begin? Well, how about here? What McCarthy and DeSantis and others fail to note is that this quotation came from a speech now known as the I have a dream speech. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. There's the nation as it is and the vision of what it could be. What McCarthy and DeSantis leave out, but King did not, is the work involved moving as is closer to what could be. I think that King would agree that it takes something more Indeed, something quite different than simply clamping our eyes shut against realities, clicking our heels, and repeating content of our character, content of our character, content of our character. 
And once I got over being annoyed by this use of King's work and climbed down from my own self-righteous perch, I had to ask myself, how is it that I deal with the distance between the world as it is and the world as it could be? The world for which I yearn. The tragic gap is the term coined by writer, speaker, and activist Parker Palmer to describe this distance. I mean the gap between the hard realities around us and what we know is possible among us, he says. Not our fantasies, not our wishes, but things we know to be possible because we've seen them with our own eyes. And who hasn't felt that, right? We have experienced the awesome power and potential of generosity, for example. And yet the insidious power of greed, too, makes itself felt throughout the world. Humans have the capacity to exercise both. We imagine the world that is possible with the generosity we have experienced, received, given, participated in, and we feel the tragic gap between that world, which is possible, and the one in which we live. So, yes, I recognize that. So, Mr. Parker Palmer, how do we close this gap? I, there's the rub, as Shakespeare wrote, no stranger to tragedy himself. There's the rub. The tragic gap will always be there. It is tragic not because simply, not simply because it is sad, which it is, but because in the classic sense of the word, it is an eternal part of the human condition. We're not going to achieve perfection and we are often going to cause pain for ourselves and for one another. That is just the truth. And it will be the truth. Go in peace. No, I'm not going to end there. I'm not going to leave it there because that's still not the whole story. Because that doesn't mean we give up. Because our task, says Palmer, is to be aware of that tragic gap, to accept it at our core, to accept that this is where we live in this gap, and to continue even so in striving to lessen the distance between those worlds, the world in which we live and the one we imagine based on our direct experiences of what is possible. To lessen the distance between hard realities and awesome possibilities as best we can. To lessen the distance of that gap even though we know it will never close entirely. And though it may be counterintuitive or even perverse, I find comfort and empowerment in accepting the reality of the tragic gap. I find it comforting because frustrating and disheartening as it may be, it corresponds to what I have seen 
witnessed and experienced. I find it empowering because it tells me the truth about the struggle I am, we are in. All that we do is destined to be incomplete by the time of our passing. And what sort of misplaced self-importance would have given me any indication that I or we could finish the work when generations upon generations of people who have struggled up to now could not definitively close that gap? And yet, they made a difference. Yet they did not waver in their dedication, or wavering, they rested and returned to the work to lessen the distance between the world as it is and the world of possibility that beckons. Think of another popular image for justice work, one that began with Unitarian minister Theodore Parker and was revised by Martin Luther King Jr. and has now been adopted and revised and retold by many writers and activists and social justice organizations, transformed into an invitation to help in bending the arc of the moral universe toward justice. Now just think of the words used there for a moment. Bending toward. There's not a promise there of pointing the arc of the moral universe directly at justice. There is not a promise of achieving the perfect angle. There is only the work of lessening the distance, bending further toward, with the understanding possibly that the concept of justice itself may expand, transform, broaden, move over time in ways that we cannot now predict, but that we can only seek to bend the arc toward the approximate location of where we imagine justice to be at this present time, trusting future generations to join in the work. Accepting the tragic gap feels empowering because it allows me to focus my activities on what I can do without measuring against some fanciful notion of success, of succeeding without fooling myself into believing I will ever finish the task. There is no failure. Or the only failure would be in not doing what I can. And that can be tempting. That can be tempting, I know, to give up, I mean... It is a hard thing to continue the struggle knowing we will never finish the task, to remain open and willing. It is tempting to retreat either into cynicism, believing that the hard realities of the world in which we live have extinguished all possibilities for anything better, or to retreat into fantasy along with DeSantis and McCarthy, denying the harsh realities of the world in which we live and proclaiming against the evidence that we have arrived in the world we imagined. It is tempting to give up or give out or give in. But staying present to the reality of the tragic gap can also be empowering. 
I have spoken the words of the what is known as the serenity prayer countless times in my life, both in services and more often in recovery meetings. And yet, somehow, just this last week, I managed to stumble in my recitation and I said, grant me the serenity to expect the things I cannot change. The actual words, of course, are grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. But there is something I love about my misspoken version. To not just accept that there are things that I will not be able to change, but to expect them. To expect that I will not be able to close this tragic gap that is an eternal part of the human condition allows me to work more effectively at what I can change to lessen the distance between the world that is and the world that is possible. It allows me to avoid the frustration and discouragement and fatigue and despair that can come with encountering the gap that stubbornly remains. Not everything that is faced can be changed, James Baldwin wrote, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. The fact that there is a gap cannot be changed. The depth and breadth of that gap can be. But only if I am willing to face it. And when I face up to it, I realize that I not only live in this tragic gap, but that the tragic gap lives within me. I feel the same push and pull within myself between my most selfish and self-absorbed desires and my highest aspirations of kindness, generosity, and self-sacrifice. I feel that same conflict within me that I see played out in the world around me, recognizing that tension within myself regardless of my best intentions, recognizing that tension I can act with more compassion in lessening the distance, in bending the arc, in joining with others past, present, and future in the work that calls to us. If I am willing to face what is true. Reinhold Niebuhr, author of an early version of this serenity prayer, also seems familiar with this notion of a tragic gap. This reading by Niebuhr is included in our hymnal. Nothing worth doing is completed in our lifetime. Therefore, we are saved by hope. Nothing true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we are saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we are saved by love. No virtuous act is quite as virtuous from the standpoint of our friend or foe as from our own. Therefore, we are saved by the final form of love, which is forgiveness. As we live together in the tragic gap 
May we never forget the power we have to lessen the distance by letting our lights shine. So may it be.